Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This episode is sponsored by Hum Nutrition, a leading vitamin brand on the forefront of wellness. Hum is best known for Flatter Me, a digestive enzyme that debloats fast and went viral on TikTok. Rooted in science and backed by clinical research, HUM offers clean and targeted formulas that help you reach your wellness goals. From gut and skin health to vaginal and hormonal balance, HUM has specific solutions that work for you. HUM Nutrition's bestseller, Flatter Me, is the ultimate de-bloating hack. It's so easy for you. All you have to do is take one small capsule before a meal, and it helps you enjoy all of your favorite foods without the bloating aftermath. Flatter Me is clinically tested to de-bloat fast and works after only one use. Head to humnutrition.com, that is H-U-M nutrition.com, and get 40% off your first order with code GARAGE. Reach your wellness goals and head to humnutrition.com, that is H-U-M nutrition.com today as this offer expires soon. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man with a reminder that a muffin can be very filling. Here is the captain. I prefer the tops. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, we still have this fine double IPA called Green City by the good folks over at Other Half Brewing Company. Featuring three different kinds of hops, this American IPA is both smooth and hoppy with some citrus. Garage grade, four out of five bottle caps. And this week, helping us fueling the garage, we have Shiloh from Long Beach, California. And a big We Like Your Jib to Kristen Nasty in Nederland, Colorado. And last but certainly not least, we have Jacob Aguilar from Seguin, Texas. Everybody we just mentioned helped us fill up the fridge for this week's beer run. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, say it with me, B-W-E-R-U-N, beer run. Make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff at True Crime Garage. And also, we've been adding a lot of content to the YouTubes, so check us out on YouTube at True Crime Garage. And Colonel, that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. 
Gaitha Bowman was 37 years old when she went missing. Authorities were not able to charge anyone in her slaying. And that remains true to this day here, Captain, 30 years later. Gaitha was well-liked. She was a 1974 graduate of Utica High School. She attended Ashland University here in Ohio. She earned an associate degree. And in her career, she was a director of respiratory therapy at a hospital. This before the early 90s, when she started a medical business named Premedica. She was the mother of two children and the stepmother of two more before she went missing. The general timeline, and we went through some of the details of this in our coverage yesterday. But on February 15th, 1993, Gaitha Bowman left work, the business that she owned, Premedica Healthcare, at 6.45 p.m. She supposedly had a business meeting that evening or that night, but never disclosed where or with whom. The following day, February 16th, Gaitha's ex-husband, Greg, reports her as missing saying that she never picked up her children from the babysitter's home. The following day, on the 17th of February, Gaitha's snow-covered van was found outside of the Best Western Motel on Laver Road. This, again, just one and a half to two miles away from her home and not terribly far from her business either. Then we fast forward to March 16th of the same year, 1993, when a Delaware County engineer finds Gaitha Bowman's body in a gravel pit or near a gravel pit in Delaware County. As we said yesterday, this is a county that is separated by another county from Richland County, where she went missing, about 50 miles away from home. Someone had attempted to conceal the body there, and police said outwardly, right from Jump Street, that they had no reason to believe that she was killed where she was found. In fact, they had reason and such evidence to suggest that maybe she was killed elsewhere, and this, for lack of a better term, was simply a dumping ground. So like the colonel was saying, she went missing from one county. Her body, her remains are found in a different county. So now we have two sheriff departments that are working this case. Yeah, and this is where things get even more complicated. And sometimes it's great to have multiple agencies working the same case, and sometimes it's not. It's hard for me to sit here and examine this investigation and determine who was doing a good job, who was doing a, a not-so-great job, or how well the two sheriff's departments were working together. Keep in mind, there are complications based off of just the time period in which she went missing and when she was murdered. 1993, technology certainly wasn't what it is today, and thus counties that are separated by roughly 40 or 50 miles, that offers up its own complications into the joint, what's reported as a joint investigation. However, what you do have is Richland County caught a case. The case they caught was a missing persons case. This one, Gaitha Bowman was reported missing from her home, from her business in Richland County. Delaware County caught a whole different case. Same person, Gaitha Bowman. However, they have a homicide investigation 
to deal with. So it, what once was a missing persons case now becomes a homicide case. It may have been easier for the public if it would have been fully handed over to Delaware County from, but from what I've been told and from my understanding is that was not the case that while it's reported that this was a joint investigation, that may be true in some facets of the investigation. However, it does not appear to be true in all cases here because it looked to me like Delaware County and Richland County were running two separate investigations on the same case. But we don't have a good time frame of when Gaitha was killed because of the weather. You talked about that yesterday, but we do know that she was strangled and she was covered with trash in this location, this gravel pit. Yeah. So the trash came from, to be clear, it came from Richland County and her body's recovered in Delaware County. But that is the indicator to detectives that she likely was killed elsewhere and then transported to the location where she's later found. The captain's absolutely right with in regard to that trash. There's addresses and such that are on that trash. And detectives thought, oh, great. This is not going to take long for us to solve this thing. This, The debris and the trash that is found with our victim might point us to who is responsible. Well, because sometimes... As we know, and all the true crime community knows, sometimes these killers are dumasses. That's right, and thankfully so. But in this case, the addresses that were provided as clues or could have been clues to the investigators in Gaitha's case were not addresses that led them to any particular suspect. In fact, from my understanding, they end up figuring out that the Trash likely was pulled from a dumpster from a business was just one more way of trying to hide and conceal Gaitha's body. We've talked about this plenty of times here on the show, and we've we get this information directly from killers themselves. Their own words where they have said look, the, the, the more that I knew a victim or this is coming from the mouths of several serial killers, the closer the tie of the victim to me, the perpetrator, the greater the lengths I went to, to concealing the body. Right. If it was somebody I didn't know at all, we could discard them on the side of the road and just continue on because there is nothing, there would be nothing in the investigation that would lead the detectives from the victim to the perpetrator because it was a stranger, complete stranger on stranger crime. Those same killers say the reverse. If there was any direct connection from the, from the victim to me, I would go to great lengths to try to conceal the body because if they can never find the victim, then they're going to have very little ways to tie it back to me, to the perpetrator. Here, what I see mm -hmm. is somebody going to great lengths to try to conceal this victim. Well, one of the other problems with this case, though, is where her remains are found. A person wouldn't have to have extensive knowledge of this area to know that it would be a good place to leave remains. That's exactly right, because if you hop off of the freeway there, you are going to make a right, which would take you west, 
And within about a half a mile to one mile, approximately, you are in the sticks. There are very few street lights, if any at all. You are in the sticks. So you would see this, this road, this Dunham Road. You could only turn left onto it, and it dead ends at some point. And so a person very likely could have never have been there before in their entire life. Right. And yet found this road, drove down this road and thought that looks like that's my spot. Now, keep in mind when we say going to great lengths to conceal the body, the person that's trying to hide the body of Gaitha Bowman may be under some kind of time constraints too. They may not have, today, tomorrow, and the next day to figure out what to do with this evidence. How is the best way to hide and conceal this evidence? So they hop in the vehicle, they grab some trash, and now we're going to figure out how we can conceal Gaitha. Now we get some more information here, and what's weird in this case, Captain, is... A lot of things. Well, I don't think that really any of this information was ever designed or thought to be holdback information. It's just this information didn't find its way to the public or wasn't released to the public until it went from being a missing persons case to a homicide investigation, where a lot of times we will see holdback information starts to trickle out over the years or over the months after the case remains unsolved. Mm -hmm. Here, it looks like they had a lot of this information or parts of this information, and then later it's confirmed because think about this. She's missing, and for 30 days, you have one agency investigating this missing persons case. 30 days later, when she's found and it's ruled a homicide, you now have two agencies conducting their own investigations. Right. So they're either doubling down on the same information, or they're finding additional information that was not uncovered before, previously. Now, we talk about it being difficult to narrow down the time of death for our victim here. And that would be very key to our timeline for our investigation. But I don't think that it is. I mean, even though we have science and we have the coroner saying, look, she could have been killed the night she went missing. She could have been killed last week. Because if you look at the weather for that month in which she was missing, it rarely gets above freezing during that time period. And so she's essentially being stored in a, in a freezer just outside in this Delaware County open, open air storage facility. But it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out if nothing bad happened to Gaitha Bowman, she would have picked up her kids that night. If nothing bad happened to Gaitha Bowman on the 15th or the 16th, she would have went to work the next morning. So any detective can very quickly look at this and go, you know what? We're probably dealing with something that happened to her that night. She was a good mom. Something prevented her from picking up her kids that night. She was a good business owner. Something prevented her from going to work the next day. Now, here's an article that starts to fill in some of the blanks here. And stop me at any point here, Captain, and we can tear through this as much or as little as you want to. Mm-hmm. Now, this article says Richland County Sheriff's deputies are asking for help solving the 1993 murder of a Mansfield woman whose body was found off of Dunham Road in Delaware County. Delaware County employee Tom, I'll leave out his last name, found the partially decomposed body of Gaitha Bowman covered in garbage 
at the County Gravel Pit off Dunham Road, March 16th, 1993. The coroner and other Lab results told us that she had been strangled. But the coroner goes on to say that he didn't know exactly how she had been strangled. Richland County prosecutor said authorities have had, a diffic- have had difficulty determining Gaitha's activities the night that she disappeared, February 15th. He said he is hoping that someone in Columbus or Delaware County might have seen Gaitha that night. That sounds weird to me. Super weird. If she's covered in trash from Mansfield, Ohio, I don't know why the prosecutor up in Richland County would expect that maybe somebody from Columbus or Delaware County might have seen her that night or have, you know, it'd be different to say that hoping that somebody out of the area would have information, but to have seen her or interacted with her that night, unless they're starting to hone in on who she was meeting with, or, or suspected of meeting with. And I think we're going to get those answers here very soon. But isn't that also strange to you? We do know that she at least changed her clothes once. To me, that it seems like if you're going to have a business meeting and you're coming from work, you just meet the individual in your business attire. Well, and that's exactly right. And you also get the snow here. The snow is going to be big indicators on when her body was placed there and when her van, when she either she parked her van or somebody placed her van where it was later found. Right. So here we have Delaware County Sheriff's detective saying there was snow under Gaitha's body, indicating that it was snowing before the body was abandoned. They went on to say that her body was found face down. She had no shoes or coat on, and one of her front teeth was chipped in half. Bowman was wearing some expensive gold jewelry when the body was found. This indicating that robbery, robbing this poor woman, stealing her valuables was not in the killer's mindset. Yeah, and you said that she they believe that she was strangled, but we didn't say if if we thought there was any sign of sexual assault. Correct. And in no report do they ever reference that. And so my belief would be that no that was not a factor here in this case right which leads us to some some motive here no sexual assault and like you said she had some jewelry on her also strange that she has a crack front tooth makes makes you think that there was some kind of struggle or fight that at least um, happened before she was strangled well and without getting too much in the weeds here Mm -hmm. That chipped tooth very likely could have happened when she was placed where she was later found. Right, that, that's a good point. We know that she was found face down. Mm-hmm. That's a chip that could have occurred by dropping her there. Yeah. Given how she's found, I can't imagine that the killer went out of their way to place her there nice and neat and gently, mm-hmm. especially knowing that then they covered her in garbage. This dumping site, like you said, it's you don't have to have a lot of knowledge of that area, but it is a risky maneuver because it is a dead end. And so there's a possibility that you have to go in there, quickly dump the body and get out without somebody seeing you. Correct. It That does seem risky, but go back to what we were talking about before. I think there's a high probability of whoever placed her there may have never been on that road before. Right. They may not know that it dead ends. 
they they may simply be out driving around looking for air quotes a good spot back to what you were saying here captain and this is very strange this is weird movements of our victim here uh you referenced the different clothing found on the body so they go on here to say that gaitha bowman it was reported that she was wearing a pant suit when she was last seen at work on february 15th right when her body was discovered she's wearing a skirt and so openly in this report the authorities are saying that they think that she may have changed her clothes possibly in her van before this scheduled business meeting. Yeah, and they're saying possibly, but you'd think they'd have this information because if you find those pant, the, the pants suit in her van, you, you would know, obviously. Correct. Well, and it, we're, we're going to get back to this van. and Well, we'll continue on with the van here, but the van is, is a big problem with this investigation. And unfortunately, Richland County did not handle the van in a great way. So the van's found the day after she's reported missing. They look at it, they examine it, they give the van to Gaitha's husband, Gary. Mm-hmm. Then she's found murdered 28, 29 days later. Yeah, mistake. Uh, and again, though, I mean, this, her van is found, she's reported missing, but her van is found and there's snow. So there's probably other vehicles that, and we live in central Ohio, when it snows really bad or there's a decent amount of snow, when you're driving to work or driving to places, you'll see cars on the side of the road. You'll see cars that were abandoned. So they might have had a, a decent amount of vehicles to deal with during that time period. Well, and one thing that I want to point out here, too, is, and this might be obvious to some, but it's not so obvious to others. When authorities are saying, look, she, we have witnesses saying she left work wearing outfit A. We find her body. She's wearing outfit B. Right. We are openly telling the public who we are currently asking for help. We believe that she changed her clothes in her van before this business meeting. Mm-hmm. And you said, well, if they would have found her other clothing in her van, then they would know. This statement does not mean that they did not find her other clothing in her van. Right. You know, when you're asking the public for help, and especially in this, in a homicide investigation, you don't need a clue in every Tom, Dick, and Harry about a, exactly what happened, what you found, or what you did not find. What they have not found, let's let's pretend for a second they did not find their her clothes in her van. And in fact, finding her clothes in her van would not 100% guarantee to you as an investigator that she did in fact change her clothes in her van. What is clear, what they're not finding is anybody saying, yeah, she went into the restroom at work and came out wearing a different outfit or yeah, she was in my place of work or, or my business, or she was at the bar or the hotel or wherever she came in one, went in one door wearing one outfit and came out wearing a different outfit. So that's what we don't have in the investigation. But what we do have is like you said, the, the missing person report is called in by her ex-husband. I think the lack of actions by her current husband is a little fishy. Really fishy. 
a whole lot of fish. Well, I was trying to be nice to the fish. Continuing on with the van, in this report, we get a little bit more information where it's saying that her van was found in the parking lot of the Best Western Motel in Richland County. It, it says authorities believe Gaitha Bowman was already missing when the van was parked at the motel. I don't know how they they seem convinced of this, but they are pointing out and once again referencing the snow, saying that Bowman disappeared before they believe that Bowman disappeared before midnight on February 15th. And because there was no snow underneath the van and there was snow on top of the van and it was snowing by midnight that night, they believe that her van was placed there before midnight and obviously it remained there until after midnight and they believe stayed there the entire time that it was snowing. Well, you wonder if law enforcement found any footprints in the snow. These are people that were questioned by authorities and I want to be 100% clear here. These are not suspects. They are not even persons of interest. These are people that they decided they should talk to when she was A, missing, B, later found deceased. It says those questioned by authorities include Gaitha's husband, Gary, her best friend, Mary, her 13-year-old son, Jason, her ex-husband, Greg, Gary Bowman's father, Charles, three employees at her medical supply business, a local physician whose business she was trying to obtain, Mm -hmm. and then numerous unnamed persons. So it says numerous others with a reminder that no charges have been filed in, in the case as of this report, but going on to say definitively and for the public's information that they currently at this time did not have a prime suspect in Gaitha's case. They're also not stating that they cleared any of these individuals. Correct. And it would be, I wouldn't expect them to to publicly announce anybody being cleared, right. especially when we have so many questions in the timeline itself. You know, one detective told me once when I asked him uh, on a different case, I said, "Hey, d- did you did you clear anybody uh, in this case?" And he said, "Look, you know, we like like so many cases, we don't clear anybody until the case is solved." And he he went on to say, in fact, that when he arrives on a crime scene. There are only two people that are not suspects, himself and his mother. (laughs) (laughs) What I find of interest here, Captain, in this later report that's coming out is the information that's coming from her employees at her work. So we're getting, again, it's hard to say because now we have two agencies investigating this case where before we just had the one. So is this new information that was gleaned by the new agency in, in, in investigating the homicide? Or was this old information that just never made its way to the public because either it was A, unnecessary to tell them, or B, it might have been some kind of holdback information. Mm-hmm. And the two things that come out from the employees at her work was one, that it was not such a mystery of who she might have been meeting that night. The business meeting was with this local physician whose business Gaitha and Primedica, her company, was trying to obtain. Right. Right? They're trying to become this physician, this hospital, or doctor's office medical supplier. So this seems like a typical run-of-the-mill business meeting. However, this person's not a complete mystery to all involved. 
they know who the physician is. They sp- they spoke. Investigators spoke with this physician. Right. And that's why they questioned him. The other thing that comes out in this report was that there was an argument that was not so secret to the employees that took place the day that she went missing. So they report to the authorities there was an argument that was that went on between Gaitha and her husband Gary at Premedica that day. What's weird here, Captain, is this, depending on which agency you talk to, they describe this argument differently. Now, you only have three witnesses, and maybe each of those witnesses had a different interpretation of this argument. And maybe that's why we get varying stories. But the very brief description, one provided by Richland County Sheriff's Office, they describe it as a violent argument that took place at work that day. Delaware County describes it as a loud, a very loud argument that took place that day. This show was sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you do if you have an extra hour in your day? Do you go for a run? Do you take a nap? Read a book? Listen to an episode of your favorite podcast, True Crime Garage? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. We're proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Have you ever thought about why your wireless bill is so damn expensive? It's all just radio waves, and how much can a radio wave really cost? Seems like Big Wireless got together and decided, $100 a month? I think they'll buy it. What choice do they have? Now, thanks to Mint Mobile, you do have a choice. For a limited time, all phone plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. I made the switch I'm enjoying it. The secret is in the sauce over at Mint Mobile. 5G for free, no extra overhead, flexible plan options, 
Your unlocked device and current phone number are always welcome at Mint Mobile. I made the switch. I love it. You should do the same. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Do you want to set your child up for success? Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Maybe your kid has questions and you don't feel equipped to answer. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. With studies done in almost every state in the country, the kids who had IXL are constantly doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And there's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. A single hour of tutoring costs more than a month of IXL. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. I know for me growing up, there were courses that I struggled with. Some courses I loved and I excelled. Other courses couldn't keep my interest and I needed to be dialed in. I have friends who are using IXL with their children and they're seeing the results that they wanted. We're talking grade school, middle school. In both cases, they're getting the results that they are wanting and their children are excelling in their courses. Make an impact on your child's learning and get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, we are back. So much more to unpack in this complex case. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Cheers to you all and cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers to you, Captain, and cheers to all of the good people, especially the ones sitting way in the back. 
Here's some detailed information on that that day. And again, I think we need to underline this, circle it. I don't think it takes Sherlock Holmes to figure out whatever right. happened to Gaitha happened that night or in the wee hours of the next morning. And you almost have detectives outwardly saying this. They they are saying that, look, because of how her van was found and because of the weather conditions that night, we believe that she went missing or something happened to her and potentially her van was later placed there. Again, we'll get back to that van, but the information that we get much later in this investigation are saying that it was learned that Gaitha owed the IRS approximately eight to 10 grand in business related taxes. Now this sounds, this may sound like a a whole bunch of money, but well, it's not a ton for a business. It's yeah, it's back taxes, but it's, it's not a ton. And then I don't think there's, I don't think they put a ton of pressure on you to pay them off immediately. You can kind of pay them through a period of time. The business itself was successful. So it seems like they would, if not immediately have the means to pay this off, they would at some point now back taxes, what have you, February, 1993, that is going to be tax season for her business anyway. So it's difficult for us to sit here and say, how far in the rears were they with the taxes? But it's believed that the argument that took place between her husband, Gary and Gaitha at work that day may have been in relation to this money that the business owed to the IRS. Mm -hmm. The employees went on to tell the authorities that Gary Bowman left Primedica at 6.45 p.m. It is believed that he went and got his glasses repaired, and it's stated almost as fact here. So my guess is somebody knew that information or Gary told that information to the authorities and they were able to back it up. He goes on to say that he ate dinner and then came home, and he was home about 8.20 p.m. that night. He says that when he arrived home, Gaitha and the children were not at home. He decided to go out and start looking for her, stopping first at the Best Western Motel, where he told authorities he thought he had seen her van. Well, this would go with the timeline a little bit here that we've been told by the authorities. Yeah, but it's very strange. Why wouldn't you just call the babysitter to see if she picked up the kids? Yeah, but I... I th- I think we need to point out the obvious here. This doesn't indicate that he didn't call the babysitter. He's not going to, I would doubt that he would just willy nilly just start going out and driving around looking for his wife and children. He probably very likely reached out to the babysitter at this point, but we do know he's out looking for her. I think what the strange thing here is him telling authorities that he stopped at the Best Western Motel where he told authorities he thought he had seen her van. He says when he reached the parking lot, he realized that it was not her van. He then went into the lounge, which would be that that bar that was uh, in the same parking lot, for about 15 minutes or so and then returned home. He -hmm. said that he fell asleep and then he woke up about 2 a.m. and this is when he realized once again that his wife and children still had not returned. At this time, he calls Gaitha's mother and he calls the babysitter this to try to locate the children. As we pointed out, that location where the van is found is not terribly far from their home. It does not surprise me that this would be 
in his route when he's out driving around looking for his wife, looking for his children. What surprises me is to have a statement from the husband that says, you know what? I pulled in to the parking lot because I thought I saw her van there. And then I got out of my vehicle. I determined that it was not her van. I go inside. I had a drink and then I went home, left the lounge, arrives home around 820 or so, falls asleep. The problem with this statement is her van is later found in this parking lot. So what the hell is it? Right. Was it her van or not? I mean, I mean, it's like the uh, Princess Bride. You hear the statement and you go, inconceivable. How the, how the hell can he tell authorities, I stopped <laughs> there because I thought I saw her van and then determined that the van I spotted was not hers. And then later her van is found in this location. So, I, I mean, I can't wrap my head around this. Yeah, is he just such a dumbass that he can't identify his own wife's van? Or is it possible that he's like, well, somebody might have saw me at the at the Best Western, so I need to place myself there. That's what I think we have going on here, because according to his own statement, he went into the bar. Such a Don thing, man, to establish your own alibi. That's a Don thing, you know? You would expect that if... Well, here it sounds like it's a Gary thing, but you would expect that if he went into the lounge, as he states to authorities, that somebody would have seen him. And then there's the other thing, though, too, is, you know, we're reading these reports. We're not there to question this individual and ask for the details. Could it have simply been that he was unable to discern 100 percent if this was was or was not his wife's van? So he did go inside to see if she would be there. Right. And then because she wasn't in there, he decided that, oh, it's probably not her van. A 1990 Dodge van is not an incredibly uncommon vehicle. Right. It's weird to me that we have the ex-husband that's calling in the missing persons report. Well, and also, look, it's the early 90s. There's a lot of people with little stickers or bumper stickers and so it's like, yeah, you, there's a lot of vehicles that are the same vehicles, but there's normally some kind of identifying marker. You'd think that you'd know maybe some information of what her license plate said. I agree with you 100%, Captain. I, I, that's the, the biggest problem with Gary's story to me. Again, Princess Bride, inconceivable. To tell me that you went there and you purposely pulled into that parking lot because you thought you spotted your wife's van somehow, some way determined that it was not her van. And then she's missing later found killed. And her van is found in that parking lot less than 48 hours after she left work that day. Well, and also less than a few hours after you were supposedly at her work and had this heated conversation or the other report is a, a violent confrontation. Yes. And that that's weird too. Now we do have the victim's mother who openly stated that she was very unhappy with the investigation. She is stating outwardly that there were problems with the investigation from the first week. She doesn't have a whole lot of problems with the investigation 
as it took place going forward after it was known that this was a homicide investigation. She has a problem with how things were handled within that first week, in particular, the van, the finding of the van itself and then releasing it. She has openly said to the public that she thinks that a lot of evidence, a lot of information was missed, was lost and gone forever when they returned that van to Gary Bowman. Well, they returned it so quickly and, and this is information we don't have. We're not privy to, but it's like, well, what the, what's the color of the interior? And is it possible that there was blood in the interior that maybe somebody just missed, but you give it back to this individual that you haven't really questioned and why didn't he call to report his wife missing? I cannot for the life of me figure out why he doesn't report her missing. Okay. I, I can get over that fact. What I can't get over is that if I'm an investigator and I'm looking at this and I'm going, husband doesn't call this in, right? We find the van. He's telling us he went to this parking lot A location find, that he told you he went to. We find this van later. I, I I'm wondering what kind of search was done on this van. It seems to me like they just willy nilly released it and probably didn't take good inventory or record of what observations they could make on this van. Right. And the other thing too, I want to be clear here. Yes. We're dancing around the whole idea that Gary is probably a prime suspect or should be, but Definitely should be a person of interest. But regardless of who is responsible for this homicide, it doesn't have to be Gary that killed her for evidence in that van to have been lost, like her mother is pointing out. Whoever the killer is, there could be evidence that was lost against them regarding this van and the returning of this van. The timeline, let's take it out a little bit further here. So... After the body is recovered in March of 1993, in July of 93, Mm -hmm. we start having investigators singing a different song. We now have two suspects in Gaitha Bowman's homicide. They do not name one of the suspects, but if you're willing to read between the lines and you don't have to read very hard, you can see that they're almost openly naming the second suspect and hit me. It's Gary Bowman. And again, they're not outwardly stating 100%. They're not saying they're not putting those words in the same sentence. Gary Bowman is a murder suspect, but what they are saying is we have gone to Gary. We've asked him to submit blood We've taken blood from this person and we are now going to be conducting tests, conducting DNA tests. We have the DNA from our two suspects and we're thinking that these tests, once we get the test back, it's going to tell us who did it. It's either person A or person B. We've narrowed it down to person A or person B and based off of the DNA evidence, we think that it's going to tell us which of these two people. So what the problem here in the investigation became that they could not, you asked about clearing somebody, they could not clear either of these two individuals. There was evidence to suggest that one of these two people was the last person to see Gaitha Bowman. 
the evidence, unfortunately, could not clear either person. Okay, so when we look at Gary, again, very strange. He doesn't call in a missing person report on his wife. He does have an alibi for leaving the business, and he mm -hmm. went to get his glasses fixed. But after that, by his own omission, he has no alibi. So if we're thinking that this murder took place that night, or at least she was kidnapped that night, he doesn't have a solid alibi. And then this other individual. Who I have to believe is the physician that she told some people she was going to go meet. Right, which would make the most sense. Then it makes you wonder, well, maybe he didn't have a solid alibi either. And you have to believe that, right? Unless unless they have something in the investigation saying that she met up with some unknown person or, let's say, went into the bar and somebody approaches her. The thing is, though, they don't have any information or any evidence suggesting any of that. Their evidence suggests to them that the last person to see Gaitha Bowman that night was either A, this physician, or B, her husband. And so you're saying that they took DNA from both of these individuals, they test it, and they can't, there's no conclusive answer. Yeah. And so let me give up a, a little bit of insight on that. And this is, this is just the colonel here reading between the lines. Okay. There was a struggle. Mm -hmm. There was a struggle that took place. We had already said that the coroner says, well, she was strangled, but we don't know how. She was very likely strangled, just somebody wrapping their hands around her neck. Right. After a struggle took place. So there was a struggle. And I, look, I'm making a lot of inferences here, but I think a lot of them will make some sense once we go through them. Because we have two individuals that we cannot clear either, and I think you are exactly spot on here, Captain. I think there's a problem with the alibi of both of them. We have her husband who openly admits that after a certain time that night, he has nobody to account for his whereabouts. We also have this physician who it is stated that she was going to go meet that night. He says that they did not meet that night, and he had met her in the past but did not meet her that night. Mm -hmm. obviously there has to be some problems with his alibi because they're still interested in this dude. Now, basing the idea off of there being a struggle and that one of these two individuals was the last to see her. Here's my thoughts. Nowhere ever is sexual assault ever mentioned in any of the reports. So I don't believe that they believe that that took place. What I do think that they have evidence of, and they're not outwardly saying it, is that if a struggle took place, she very likely may have the killer's DNA, skin scrapings, what have you, underneath her fingernails. Right. Now, here becomes the problem for your investigation. One would expect to find her husband's DNA under her fingernails. Very likely, right? Very possible, yes. We know this from other homicide victims. We know we know this from other cases. You can there there are cases where victims went to school all day long and they find DNA or some kind of evidence underneath fingernails of of persons that had nothing to do with their homicide. Right. 
what I believe these tests were was to rule in or rule out this physician, right? Because you might expect, again, it's not 100%, but it's Mm -hmm. also not out of the realm of possibility. You might expect to find DNA of the husband underneath the fingernails, whether he's responsible or not, but you wouldn't expect to find the physicians, especially if he says he did not meet her that night. So when these tests come back, the best thing for your investigation is for it to match up to the physician. Because then that tells you he lied to you. That tells you his story is wrong. He lied to authorities. Now he has just separated himself from the other suspect. This case is unsolved 30 years later. They've never publicly said what the results of those tests were, but I can tell you what those results were because it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out the test came back and did not show evidence of this physician, or we wouldn't be sitting here 30 years later with an unsolved case. Yeah, because they would have made the arrest. He already made the statement, I didn't meet up with her that night. There's no reason for her, his DNA to be under her fingernails or on her person. And if they found that DNA, they'd make the arrest. No solid alibi and your DNA, that's enough to go to trial. The problem, again, with the suspicious behavior of her husband is you can explain away the DNA. Where Gaitha's mother is absolutely correct, when Gaitha went missing, if they would have questioned everybody initially and then searched the person, but maybe there'd be some wounds on Gary, and then it would be a lot harder to explain away the DNA. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with her mother that a lot of this, the missteps were the initial week of the investigation. Richland County didn't know exactly what they were dealing with. So we got to say that in their defense. However, they could have handled this van situation much differently. And they could have looked at the early facts in the investigation and their missing persons investigation and probably looked at it very differently given the facts that we now know, the facts that came to light to, to became public information. Well, this is a, this is a mother of two. Correct. This is, this is a successful businesswoman. Correct. If I'm law enforcement, I'm trying my damnedest to get a search warrant for that vehicle. I'm trying my damnedest to get a search warrant for the, for her business and anywhere that she would operate that business. I would be getting, I would be trying my damnedest to get a search warrant for her house and to question and and search her husband. It, you know, it, it, it sucks because we see this so many times in cases where they find an abandoned vehicle and because they deal with that so often that they just go, well, it the, the owner's going to turn up. It's not that big of a deal. But in this case, it's a little different because we have a missing person before you find the vehicle. Gaitha Bowman, age 37, disappeared 30 years ago next week. The case is still unsolved. Delaware County Sheriff's Office is still investigating her homicide. If anybody has any information, you can call. Police desperately want information about this case. And I believe, as said in the trailer of yesterday's show, I believe, and I know the captain believes that one probably two or three people have some information that they've just not been willing that they've just not been willing to release or to give to 
the authorities. Delaware County Sheriff's Office is still investigating this homicide. If anybody has information, please contact them at 740-833-2892. Or you can go to DelawareCountySheriff.com. Thank you so much for joining us here in the garage each and every week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading for the beautiful listeners? This week, we are recommending nothing but the night. Leopold and Loeb and the truth behind the murder that rocked the 1920s America by Greg King and Penny Wilson. We've been talking about a case from the 20s recently here in the garage. So very fitting to recommend a book about the most infamous case from the 20s. Leopold and Loeb were wealthy and privileged teenagers who were charged with killing 14-year-old Bobby Franks just for the thrill of it, a gruesome crime that would lead to the original trial of the century. Check out Nothing But the Night by authors Greg King and Penny Wilson. And you don't have to write down that title right now because you can visit our recommended page by going to our website, truecrimegarage.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up on the mailing list. We got a pretty big announcement coming and the people on the mailing list will hear it first. So you want to make sure you sign up on that mailing list. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't let it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.